Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. Special guest here today. She's calling back in because I had a little mix up a couple weeks back. So we're really appreciating her calling back in to join us today. She's going to talk about her new book. Okay, her new book is is a, a dystopian thriller. And she explained what that means when she comes online. But our guest is a celebrated author, a stir, you know, celebrated storyteller, and she is from Oklahoma with her family. She's calling from Oklahoma, small town, outstanding. Let's welcome to the show our special guest, Susie Smith. Hi. Hello, Susie. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> Good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for calling back in. We appreciate that. Very excited about your new book and your your, your background and what you do. I know you do some stuff for the Kenza tribe out there in Oklahoma. Uh, so very excited mm-hmm. to talk about that. So before we continue, please tell us a little more about yourself and your newest book. Okay. All right. My name is Susie Smith. I live in Oklahoma in a small town. I have four grown children. I have been married for 32 years. Um, let me see what else. <laughs> um, I love to write and I love my job Come for the Kenza tribe. Um, my new book, Ascendant, follows uh, my debut novel, which was Asylum, uh, which won uh, the 2020 WriterCon uh, Award in the novel category and was also a semi-finalist in the KBR Awards in the sci-fi fantasy category. So that one, that one did okay. Um, and so the new book just picks right up where uh, Asylum left off. Uh, my main protagonist, uh, Lacey Cooper, or Lacey, uh, sorry, Lacey Monroe, <laughs> um, is on the run uh, from her evil uncle who wants to use her um, in his political game to uh, regain control of the United States. And that is where my uh, new novel, Ascendant, starts. Outstanding. Yeah, before we continue, I've got to sit there and tell the world, tell the listeners that four grown children, married 37 years, I don't know what you're drinking, what you're doing, but you would never know about what your, your biopic and stuff like that. So you look wonderful. You look very young. <laughs> Thank you. That's outstanding. You keep on doing what you're doing. Because uh, as, <laughs> I, as I get older, I'm sitting there going, wow, four children. Holy smokes. Good for you. You're doing wonderful. <laughs> 
Uh, question. Can you start off by explaining how you, your expertise in language and communication interacts with your work as a celebrity dystopian author? And then um, before you do that, explain what dystopian means. When I sat down to write Asylum, I did not have the genre dystopian in mind. Dystopian simply means um, it's a different world. It's, it's, a, it's not the world as it is now. It's, it's either a dystopian world that has fallen. Um, it's a fallen world. Um, utopia, on the other hand, would be a glorified world where everything is, you know, perfect and magical and stuff like that. So my, um, my setting, uh, my backdrop is the United States has suffered uh, what I call the big crash. And so the economic, um, or the, there was just an economic meltdown. And so think of Walking Dead backdrop where, you know, everything is in chaos. And, and so the government rounds up the citizens to control them and put them in the work camps. So my main protagonist, Lacey, um, is on her family farm and she fights to stay there. So that's, I guess, a long way of explaining what dystopian means. <laughs> Outstanding. Very good. I had to look it up. I wasn't sure myself, but now I understand. You know, you must be a great admirer or a great watcher of The Walking Dead. I mean, The Walking Dead has so many spinoffs from it because if you go to the the, um, streaming channels, it's every other show. It's about, you know, The Walking Dead, about the zombie movie, this, this, and this. Why do you think we have such an interest in the zombie chondra? In the zombie, my my books don't have zombies, but it's the same type background. I think everybody, I think the reason why we're so fascinated by zombies is because it they're in the back of everybody's mind. They're going, could that really happen? Yeah. You know, it's just a fascination. You know, and there's several different ways. You know, I could, you know, I could spin where we could, you know, realistically have zombies. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's I think that's fascinating because to watch people on how they um how the writers of The Walking Dead um have their characters react um and grow even as a character um in The Walking Dead. Um who's excited for the the Daryl Dixon spin-off. Um mm. I know my kids are. <laughs> mm. That's wonderful. You know, can you explore the ideas of survival, freedom, and the ugly side of human nature? Just kind of go deep dive into that more, you know, where you're writing and what your thoughts and how it may turn out as things got kind of ugly for the human nature. Well, everybody, I feel like, has a has a kind of a dark side because um, of our general makeup as human beings. Um it's what you do, how you how you process and, and react to a situation um, that tells you kind of who you who you really are. And and some people just don't have that internal um moral code or check. Um you know, you know what I'm talking about, that feeling that you get when you you're kind of dance on the on the on the slippery side of, of what's right and wrong, it, you know, most people have that check that like, okay, you know, at least their conscience kicks in a little bit. Um, some, some of my characters um, just don't have that. Um, and they, they take advantage of the situation. So, You know, it's as you, one of the questions from the bio, it says, 
would our world be able to live off the land? You know, this high-tech society we live in now, my thoughts, I don't think so. Now, I don't, you know, I know my kid, who's 25, he, you know, he knows. <laughs> And heck, he's going to live off the land and stuff like that. Talk more about that. How, if things went ugly, living off the land, can we, we revert back to that? Can we sit there and survive? Or maybe because of, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, we see things happen, you know, with the tornadoes and, and hurricanes and stuff like that. And as a, as a human race, we do pull together. So maybe we could pull together as things turn that way. Is that what your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I'm right there with you. I have, uh, my oldest is 30 and my youngest is 22. And so I have, I have two millennials and two Gen Z's. And I was looking at them and, and just thinking, uh, you, you guys were not raised the way I was raised. I, I'm a Gen Xer. I lived outside when I was a yeah. kid. I don't know about anybody else, but. You know, we lived outside. My parents had a huge garden. They made me help. You know, so I have a good idea. My uh, my grandpa, that 40 acres that I talk about in my books is actually a real place. It is a real physical location um, with those build, different buildings that I describe. Um, and my grandpa uh, raised cattle, and we butchered, and he had um, he had a meat locker and, and different um, things that you do, freezers and stuff like that. Uh, and so I, I know the butchering process from the time the bullet leaves the gun um, mm. until it's packaged and put in the freezer. So I know what all that entails, but I know my kids don't because they weren't raised that way. I don't think most um, of generation, the Z generation or even the millennial generation, know what I'm talking about. Right. Um, but I, I, I do feel like that communities w- would draw pull together and because it would take like somebody would have something and somebody would have something else it's like that old that old story of the stone soup i feel like um that the community would come together that way yeah i mean i believe to me that's one thing about our country when i look back and see disasters you know the, the disaster in maui uh, with, with with the fires and you know big hurricanes like that, it's just, it just amazes me how people just pull together. Neighbors helping neighbors, country help. You know, we just help each other when there is a horrific, horrific destruction. So maybe it, yeah. it has to come to that to make people sit there and stand up and pull together. Doesn't matter black, white, whatever, whatever. We're just going to help you out, and that's good to see. Right? Really, yeah, it's that's just crazy how it is, but that's what our country's all about. That's great. Um, yes, how, how do you see language being used as a tool for social control within a, a dystopian narratives? How do you see that, you know, the social language and how that goes out, how that really works into it with your writing and your speaking, you know? Um, as far as the social, um, the social goes, um, I, I really don't know. Um, can you expound a little bit on on your question? Yeah, so I'll know kind of where you're. Sorry <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Is it, can you share some examples of this from uh, your own work? So you you do your work, maybe mm-hmm. in the tribes and stuff like that. How do you feel from the social aspect of it, of bringing people closer, bringing people up? Um, it's, you know, it's I, again, it's, I'm probably getting more confused with it as I ask more. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry about that. Is there anything in the social world that you can sit there and, and add with the dystop- uh, dystopian world? Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like, I, I don't know if this answers your question or not, but I, um, I do feel like um, in my world, the government played a, a, a big part of how um, the citizens uh, reacted. Uh, they, the president declared martial law. Mm. And so he um, basically took over as a, a totalitarianism type uh, government was in place. And uh, the citizens really had no say over what uh, was going on. And as a society, we don't know what that really feels like to have your rights as a human stripped away from you, um, to um, have the you know ability to be able to do your own thing, or look, I'm going to go take a vacation to you know mm-hmm. Hawaii or you know wherever. No, you you can't do that right now. You know that kind of thing. We as a society just don't know what that looks like. Don't know how that really feels because as bad as our country has you know whatever your i don't you know i'm not here to talk politics or whatever but i think we can all agree that um we are living in a a time of unrest i guess is a nice way to put it um i think we can all agree and you know some disaster some horrific thing was to happen um could a society could we as a society change and morph into a more of a totalitarianism type government. I don't think so uh, myself, but <laughs> that's a that's a good that's a big question. Right, very good. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, here in Arizona, we have multiple land owned by Native Americans. You work for the Kansas tribe in Oklahoma. Talk about that more. Kind of deep dive into that. How did you get started with that? And how's it going? I mean, do you, you see a positive light with that? Are they treated well? Is, is the government doing good things with that? Talk more about that. Because out here in Arizona, uh, you can tell that it's owned by Native Americans because there's casinos on the land. You know, right, can be exactly. Not on us. So I'll talk more about the Kenza tribe, how you get involved, why it's so important to you, and, that's your, and now that's your career. Uh, well, the reason why I am – working for the Kanza tribe first and foremost is because they helped with my education. They helped Mm. me get my bachelor's in English. So I felt like I needed to come back and give back to the tribe. I mean, they educated me so, and they need more uh, tribes need more educated people to come in and, and work for them. Um, Cause that's going to, that's just going to push them forward where they need to go. Um, Oklahoma, I don't know if anybody reads up on Oklahoma politics or government or whatever, but um, right now Governor Stitt is not a real um, favored person as far as the tribes go. I think I can safely say that uh, Mm -hmm. in Oklahoma um, because of land issues and and tax issues and and things like that. But um, it's it's a real pleasure uh, working for the Kansa tribe, getting back and knowing uh, some of my history and, and you know, my family tree and, and where I come from and who my people are. That's real important um, to tribes. Is they won't ask you your name. They'll ask you, um, who are your people? Wow. And, 
Yeah, and so it's really, um, it's been a real um, education. I learn something new every single day that I come to work, and I love that because I would be a student, a professional student, if I could, if I could manage and if I could afford it. Um, right. I would spend most of my time um, learning. But I, I love, uh, I love learning the language. I love um, being able to be a part of its uh, uh, keeping it alive. Outstanding. Before we continue, please tell us where do we go after this show to learn more about you and what you do and where we can get your wonderful books. I have a website. It's suzysmith.com. I spell my name S-U-S-Y smith.com. And then I am on Facebook, um, Suzy Smith Writer for Life, I believe. Um, I'm also on Instagram and TikTok and various different places that you can probably find me if you go on Facebook. There's probably there's links and stuff uh, for that as well. Um, and you can buy my books on Amazon or go to my website and click the link and, and you can go from there. Yeah. And make sure, guys, that you really do uh, write her name correctly because I had to catch myself twice because I wrote S-U-Z. <laughs> so, ooh, 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 that's not right. So, yeah, that's very important. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I don't know what my mother was thinking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's good, that's good. Okay, can you talk about the challenges, opportunities? You, you, you said a little bit about that, the challenges, opportunities, but you overcome a couple of challenges and stuff working with the tribes. It must be a great feeling to know that you can, you're getting better. I mean, I know you don't want to fight the government, but that's a big part of what you're doing is trying to get things you know, better the tribe language and culture right yes exactly we we are constantly trying striving um to to move forward and um so we're we're always looking at grants i've um mm-hmm. i've helped write a couple of grants that we've gotten um the endangered language fund uh we've got a grant going through them and we just got one from the interlocal co-op um and that's a that was a that we got, which is going to really really help us because we're a small tribe. We um, have thirty five hundred people on our roll, I believe, um, and we have no first uh, we have no first generation speakers left. So it's it's just our work is so important um, to keep it, uh, the language alive because tribe's identity is is comes from the language. That's unbelievable. Yeah. It's, like I said, it's very exciting. I get to really look into that more. But here in Arizona, we got tribe, tribe, you know, we got multiples. And I think it's, a, you know, I think by the 10 casinos we have out here, I think each one is owned by different tribes. So that's kind of interesting right there. Do you guys do the casino thing too out there in yes. Oklahoma? Yes, we do. We have, mm-hmm. we have one um, off the I-35 corridor. Um, it's 10 miles from the Kansas border. It's called Rock and Brews. And that is our that is our casino up there, and and right now it's a casino and a restaurant, but I think they have plans to um, add a hotel um, on as well. So yeah, we do the we do the casino thing. <laughs> all tri- all the tribes around here do. I mean, um, where I live, I live in um, uh, right off the I-35 corridor in Blackwell, Oklahoma. It's, uh, it's north north central Oklahoma up there in K County, and in K County I think I can count one two three four like there's six uh, casinos that you can travel and go to within a 
a 20 to 30 mile radius. I mean, it's so ridiculous. There's so what, many, so many casinos. What, what keeps Susie in a small town like that? I mean, I, I, and okay, probably because of what you're doing with the native tribe, but is there more? I mean, is, is there days where you and your husband spend go, well, you know, maybe, maybe we can go to Oklahoma city. Maybe we can go to a bigger city. Maybe we can do this and this. What's your talk to us about that? Staying in a small, cause I'm from a small town myself. Sometimes I think I should go back to a small town, but sometimes I think, you know, I need to get things done. I can't, I got to leave town to go get this and go get that. What keeps you in a small town in Oklahoma? Well, there, there are challenges in a small town. Like you said, um, certain things I can't get in Blackwell. We do have a Walmart, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Hey, uh, that's saying something, huh? Um, no, but I uh, could not live in a big city. My husband and I took our youngest daughter to a, a concert in Tulsa uh, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. We went to see uh, Molly Crew. Anyway, that's irrelevant. But um, I, we were in the middle of traffic, and it just, you know, when you come from a place where, you know, there's zero traffic to a whole bunch of traffic, my husband goes, ugh. You know, and I, he said, this is why we don't live in the city. <laughs> it's because of the traffic. I mean, it. I don't know how people do it um, every day getting up and, and and fighting the traffic to go to work and stuff. I love, I love my drive to work. It takes me 30 minutes to get to work, but that's okay because it's just I travel right down Highway 11 and it's just wheat fields or uh, corn fields or bean fields or whatever the farmers decide they're going to. Uh, plant that season and hay fields and then I get to work and we're stuck out here in a field and so it's 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 nice um yeah. I I would not I mean, I mean it's a good trade-off for me I I would gl- I gladly trade off the convenience of living in a city for um looking out my window and seeing nothing but cows or you yeah. know the sky and, and land it's it's beautiful it's just great Outstanding. You know, I ask a lot of my authors who come on the show about, especially they have great books, great um, uh, series in their books about putting stuff on TV. I think your book would be a great addition to maybe a, a Hulu or Netflix. Have you thought about that, going that route too? Because I think that stories should be told. I think people really enjoy your writing and your, you know, your first book, your second book, and maybe more in the future. What do you thought about that, putting it on TV as a series or as a movie? I would love it. I would absolutely love it. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I'm, uh, um, uh, you know, these are my first two books. I'm writing the, I'm writing the third one currently. I am uh, writing a, the sequel to Ascendant. Um, and I would absolutely love to see it on, on television or a movie. I think a TV series like Netflix or Hulu, like you said, would, would just be great. Um, I would, I would love it. I would, I would do it in the instant. Okay. I'm going to keep that in mind because we're trying to put together a nice promotion company to pick up a lot because we're getting a lot of authors, a lot of great stuff. And like a lot of them, like yourself, not sure how to go to the next level by putting it on TV, but it's, but it's great TV. So I'm working on that in the background. Okay. So tell us about your, your ascendant, the title, the beautiful cover. How did that come about? Because I love the cover and I, you know, the title. Go ahead. Talk about that. I'm really glad to hear that you love the cover. Um, my my publisher and, and he's also my mentor. I always I always call him my mentor, <laughs> uh, Bill Bernhardt. He owns Babylon Books, 
books, and that's who published my my two books. Um, he um, did the he hired um, someone to do that cover art, and um, it was just amazing. He has uh, amazing vision when it comes to cover art and and even titles because I wanted to call my sequel I wanted to call it leverage and he goes no 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 <laughs> no you can't, no you can't have that so I kind of racked my brain until I found another a another a word uh, ascendant that fit and um <clears throat> yeah he it's I, I give all the props and the credits and the claps to uh to my uh publisher Bill Bernhardt cuz he did such an outstanding job doing that I got to see I got to see the cover art you know and the different ones and he said what do you think about this versus this you know um so it was kind of collaborative but um he did he just did an outstanding job and as far as the name goes ascendant um like i said the book the second book is all about leverage and if i had that johnny depp quote memorized i could just i could just name it off but the crux of it is uh why fight when you can negotiate, all you need is the proper leverage. And that, um, you know, her uncle has leverage over her, which is forcing her to, to do certain things in the book. So her journey is looking for leverage to tip those scales, to, you know, to knock him off balance and, and regain, um, you know, become the ascendant and regain um, that power that he's taken from her. So that's how that name came about. Sweet. Uh, this is a painted picture of the book cover. Helicopter, city in the background, the female running towards Bob Wire. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. What's she running from? Well, the um the helicopter, first of all, I uh love that because there is a helicopter in the second book. There's one in the first book, but um I really go more in depth uh where I have my characters flying around 'cause I needed I needed to get them from one place to another quickly and I needed to figure out how to how to tell that. And so I used a helicopter and so I just I just love that vision in the background. And then the that background is actually uh the Mexico City skyline. If oh. you um if 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 anybody, you know, cares to look, uh it is a, kind of a the Mexico City backdrop because that's where she is and she's running that is a metaphor her running from she's been captured in mexico city by a human trafficker and so um most of the book is is her trying to escape that and get back to jason and get this leverage where they can um get out from under her uncle's thumb so that's that's the cover in a nutshell i think well, that's that's the writing. That's the picture where the picture says a thousand words, right? And what you just explained yes, to it. Yes, it does. That's wonderful. Well done. Well, well done. Uh, before we get to the final comment, please tell us again, where do we go after the show to learn more about you, your family in Oklahoma, children, and <laughs> your work? <laughs> where do we go? Um, dot com or uh, Facebook, uh, you can catch me, Susie Smith, Writer for Life. That's a four, the number four. Um, and you can catch me, and I'd be more than happy to talk, visit with anybody um, who wants to talk about my book or has questions. Um, I'd, I'd love to answer them. 
In closing, Susie, can you share advice or lessons you have learned throughout your career regarding power of language? Because we know the power of language. I mean, it can be very hurtful. It can be very emotional. Now, when I took, before the show, I always listen to, you know, music and stuff like that. It's very uplifting, very powerful. It gets me excited. What have you done? What have you seen because of the power of language? Well, uh, uh, words, um, the written word um, to me, the written word is forever. Once you write it down on paper, it's there and it means something. It has power. Words in and of itself, I, I believe, carry power. Um, and I, when I write, I always try to convey um, through language, through storytelling. Um, when when a reader finishes my book, I want them to walk away with the questions, um, you know, questioning things, um, whether it be, um, wow, do I know how to grow a garden? Maybe I should Google that. Or um, I didn't know human trafficking existed in Oklahoma. Maybe I should check that out. You know, I want them to walk away asking questions. And so I think I really feel like through language, um, maybe I can get people to start a conversation. Yeah. That's cool. and, and, you know, with the prevalence of uh, social media, the written word is so important. You know, before you hit that send button, make sure you double read what you wrote because once it goes <laughs> out there, yeah, once it goes out there, you didn't get it back. You know, that's why I can yeah. be very – I've been online for 15, 20 years, and there's not one thing that I've written that I regret writing because I think about what I write before I hit send, you know, and right. that's what most, you know, that's what we have to do more of because again, I just drive me crazy when these people go on there, they say something and all of a sudden the next day go, Oh, I apologize for writing what I said. Well, you know, it's too late. It's too late. The, the written yeah. words are, the written yeah, words so powerful, so powerful. It can help. It can help and inspire. It can do so many things. Let's do it for some good. Susie, Thank you so much for joining yes. us. You, you've been Thank awesome. You me. Yeah, we've learned <laughs> a you. lot about the about the kinds of tribe and your books, and we're definitely going to keep you in touch about putting this on TV. Thank you. Susie. I would love, love, love it. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye bye. You too. Bye bye. Susie Smith, author of the fast-paced dystopian thriller *Ascendant*. Make sure you follow up, guys. Like all our guests, follow up. Show them some love. Let's get them books moving. Let's do some great things. And we are. We're looking to get these great authors on TV. They're looking for, you know, these connect, you know, these connected channels. You know, the the uh, YouTube, the Fiverr, all of them are looking for content, great content like this, to put on TV. Let's help them out. All right. Let's slow it down a little bit with some music. Everybody, for joining us today, Friday's show. I will not be on. I have a guest host on this show. We're putting that together right now. Please 
jump in, learn, 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 and we'll be back the week after with some special guests. Okay, so have a great week. Friday's show will be a special guest, and we'll go from there. Thanks, everybody. As always, I'll see you next time. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.